2 Kings chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 1. This is what the Bible says. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. And Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go and ask your neighbors, all of your neighbors, for empty jars. Don't ask just a few. Then go inside, you and your sons. Pour oil into all of the jars, and as each one is filled, put it to the side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons, and they bought or brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. So she went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debts, and you and your, your sons shall live on what is left. I, I want to ask you this question. What do you have left? What do you have left Some really interesting thoughts here. First of all, we see that this woman and her sons are in an incredibly desperate situation. It's so desperate that the Bible says not only has her husband died, but he had so much debt. And now she has taken on that debt. She cannot pay that debt. And so the creditors are actually going to come and take her sons away and use them as slaves until they pay off the debt. This is how bad her life has gotten. She is at the lowest point of her life and a prophet shows up. A man of God shows up and he asks her, he says, what can I do to help? And then he looks at her and says, what do you have left in your house? And do you notice her response? Her response is so funny because it mirrors most of the time our response. Have you ever said this? Nothing except. I thought nothing meant nothing. And and literally the NIV says nothing. There's nothing in this house. And then she goes, oh, except this jar of oil. And I've got news for you tonight. I've got really good news for you tonight. That what you need to accomplish the will of God for your life is within your reach. In other words, we talk a lot in church about stuff that is coming, and I'm thankful that revival is coming, and this is coming, and that is coming, and a move of God is coming, but I'm tired of waiting on a move of God. I just want to go ahead and be a move of God. I don't know if anybody in this room is tired of stuff that's supposed to be coming. I'm ready for the day when it is here, and I believe that day is now. I think we look too much into the future for our deliverance when our deliverance is within our reach. I'm just telling you that God isn't leaving up your destiny to someone or something outside of your reach. In other words, you are not waiting to be significant until you get married. You are not waiting to matter until you get a church of your own. You are not waiting to be important until you get a title. You are not waiting to have value until somebody tells you you have value. What you need to accomplish the will of God for your life is already within your reach. And let me tell you something. If you don't have it right now, then you don't need it. Because if God needed you to have it, he would get it to you. I'm telling you, you have everything you need, Peter said, that pertains unto life and godliness. You have what it takes to accomplish the will of God. 
Some would say, well, well, I heard I needed to get married because one put a thousand flight, but two could put 10,000 flight. And I understand that there is multiplication power in connection. But can I tell you, you weren't just a wimp hanging out by yourself. You were still killing a thousand all by yourself. You were still winning battles all by yourself. You were still winning before anybody attached themselves to you. You were still valuable. You were still important. You were still called. You still had an anointing on your life. The God was still moving on your life and in your life. Now, this is the thing about her situation. You can't always change your situation, but you can change how you see it. And if you change how you see it, you will eventually change it. Because this is something I found out about my life. If I can't get my life out, I'm going to get my mind out. Because if I get my mind out, then my life will follow my mind. As a man thinks in his heart, the Bible says, so is he. So if I can't get my life out, then I'm going to get my mind out. I might, be, I might be in a situation where I'm locked up, but I'm not going to live like I'm locked up. I might be in a situation where I'm broke, but I'm not going to act like I'm broke. That's why the Bible says, let the weak say I am strong and let the poor say I am rich. Why? Because of what the Lord has done for me. So I might not be rich, but I'm going to go ahead and say I'm rich. I might not be strong, but I'm going to go ahead and say I'm strong because if I can get my mind out, I can get my life out. Are y'all hearing me tonight? You can't always change it, but you can change the way you see it. I, I want to read a portion of scripture to you that just blows my mind. I, 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 I am blown away by this, this portion of scripture. I need you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm just going to read a few verses to you here, and I want, to, I want to show you how that you can have the proper perspective of your situation. I want to show you a group of people that were in possibly a worse situation than you are in right now, and they had incredible joy. Matter of fact, they had a joy that was overflowing, and I want to show you how they did it, because watch this. Their situation didn't change. Their perspective changed, and their situation began to change. Now, now watch this. This is powerful. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse one through four. Paul says this. He says, now, friends, I want to report on the surprising and generous ways in which God is working in the churches in Macedonia. Fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. Watch this. They were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. I, I have to stop there because that doesn't seem to be my condition when my bank account is jacked up. I don't know about you, but my bank account can affect my mood. Is there anybody else in this room that you understand what I'm talking about? Like you go to that bank account on Monday morning and you hit that ATM and you look at it and it says whatever it says and it's really good. Then you're like, this is going to be a good week. I ain't even got paid yet. All the bills are paid. I might even go out to eat this week. I might hit Buffalo Wild Wings on the way home from work tonight. I'm telling you, it's a good week. My attitude changes when my bank account is full, but it gets bad when my bank account is empty. I want to learn how to live like these people to where I could be incredibly happy and desperately poor I don't understand this so watch this so watch what happens it says the pressure that they were under actually triggered something totally unexpected <laughs> watch that this is not the expected response to poverty happiness is not the expected response to to poverty Joy is not the expected response to a bad doctor's report. It's not. 
It's not. And if you act like if you act like you're that one that gets the doctor's report and you're like, praise the Lord, you know, and everything's going to be all right. First response. Then I don't know. You're an alien like you're not from this planet. I, I want I want something to shift in my heart to where that can be my first reaction to even though I get incredibly bad news or something doesn't go my way, that I stay happy, I stay full of joy. Why, what's what happens? These people are crazy. So this pressure triggered something totally unexpected, an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. Who, who gives in the offering when they're broke? Like who is thinking about generosity when they don't have anything? Other than thinking about generosity when it comes to them, like like when I'm when I'm struggling, I'm looking for somebody to be generous to me. I'm not looking for somebody to be generous to. But the way the way I turn my life on its head and I live a kingdom life and a gospel life is that when I when I don't have it all together, I'm looking for somebody to bless. When I don't have what I need, I'm looking to help somebody else find what they need. And what it does is it triggers an unexpected response. And the world looks at you and says, it can't be. And that's not possible. How did you do that? And they, they, they have to come to grips with the fact that it wasn't you. It was the God on the inside of you that was making you generous even in your great poverty. This is unbelievable. Watch this. They gave offerings of whatever they could. He said, I, I was there. I saw it for myself. They gave offerings of whatever they could far more than they could afford. You know what that makes me think of? There have been times in my life where I've written bad checks on a Sunday. Anybody ever wrote a bad tie check? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> you, nobody wants to be honest right now. Like, you, <laughs> you were like, you were like, you, were, you, you know that like you're getting, you, a check is supposed to come. And so you, you write a check on Sunday and you know your church doesn't usually go to the bank until about Wednesday. So, so you know that you can go ahead and give on that Sunday. And, and as long as the bank doesn't deposit that check, everything's going to be good. But if the bank does deposit that check, then it's like, see what it happened was. My checking was tied to my savings. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking they wrote some bad checks. Because he says they gave more than they could afford, but that's not what happened. What happened was when they got to the end of what they could afford, God's supply began to rush in. And because they had determined into their, in their hearts to be generous, no matter what, where they fell short, God made up the difference. And they were able to give what was in their heart, not what was in their wallet. I'm just telling you tonight that if you will make up your mind to give and be generous, the Bible says that the world of generous people gets larger and larger. And the Bible tells me that he gives seed to the sower. I'm telling you, if you make up your mind that you're going to be a sower, you will never lack seed to sow. Woo. I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking, what if your lack is actually creating your supply? What, 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 if, what if you started to see your situation different? And what if you started to see that this, this, this place that I'm in right now is actually creating my supply? See, it, I, I, didn't, I didn't appreciate my health until I lost it. I didn't appreciate my wealth until I was poor. 
I, I didn't know how blessed I was until I didn't have anything to give. I'm just telling you, what if the situation that you currently find yourself in and you're frustrated about and it's triggering a negative response, what if you would allow it to trigger something else and shame the devil in the process that you would be generous and determine in your heart, I'm going to give no matter what the devil does to me. I'm going to give no matter what my job situation looks like. I'm going to show up no matter what the time looks like. I'm going to give. I'm going to be generous. I, I think it's amazing because when we determine to be generous, the Bible literally paints this picture of that when you get to the end of you, that's when you begin to tap into God. Watch, they gave all they could afford and even more than they could afford because they determined in their heart to be generous. Watch what they did. They were pleading, the Bible says, for the privilege of helping out poor Christians. Back in 2008, the, the world experienced, the United States in particular, experienced extremely difficult economic times. This area was affected in a, in a radical way, in a radical way. And our area was, was affected in a radical way. And there, there was a point where churches were actually pulling missionaries off of the mission field because they could not afford to sponsor them anymore and keep their doors open. They were letting staff go. And in the middle of all of this, in the middle of all of this lack of supply, my dad comes to me, my pastor, and he says, Robbie, we are not gonna pull any missionaries off of the field. We are actually gonna determine in our hearts that we are gonna give twice as much this year than we gave last year in missions. Can I tell you that in a recession, our church doubled its income? Why? Because we said we're not going to let our lack determine our ability to give. Woo! I'm so thankful that God says when you are lacking, that's when you tap in to my supply. What if, what if poverty is producing prosperity? What if pain is producing purpose? What if pressure is triggering something totally unexpected? Can I tell you something else about your situation, how to see it differently? You don't always get to choose what happens to you, but you do get to choose what you name it. Can I tell can I, can I, can I give you that license tonight? Like we don't always get to choose what happens to us. I, I didn't choose I didn't choose this body. This is not like if I could go to a store and pick a body off of a shelf, I wouldn't have chose 510, 210. Like, I wouldn't have picked that. That's not what I would have picked with my life. And I wouldn't have picked, I wouldn't have picked this pale of skin either. Like, I had hoop dreams, y'all. And it just isn't going to work when you look like this. It just isn't going to pan out. This is not what I would have picked. This is not what I would have chosen. There are a lot of things in life you don't get to choose, but you do get to choose what you name what happens to you. The Bible tells me in Genesis chapter 35 and verse 18, it tells me there that Jacob and his wife had gotten pregnant. She is getting ready to have the baby. And while she is having the baby, the Bible says she is dying. And as she is dying, she goes ahead and calls out the name of the baby. And she calls him Ben-Onai, which means son of my sorrow. And the Bible tells me that when she named him that, his father came into the room and said, I don't like that name. 
We're not going to name him according to our situation. So he changed his name to Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. I'm just telling you tonight, you didn't get to choose your situation. You didn't get to choose what happened to you. You didn't get to choose the home you were born into. You didn't get to choose how you got to Vegas. You didn't get to choose how your marriage worked out. You didn't get to choose how your kids panned out. You didn't get to choose how that job worked out. But you do get to choose what you name it. And I would encourage you in this season, don't name anything sorrow. Go ahead and name this season where you're broken and you're hurting. Go ahead and name it son of my right hand. Go ahead and name it my power season. This is my victory season. This is the season where everything changes in my life. I refuse to live in sorrow anymore. I'm not going to name it according to what it is. I'm going to name it according to what God says it can be. Come on, if you believe that, give him some praise right now. I don't have to name it what it looks like. I don't have to name it what it looks like. Another, another perspective change is this. People are walking past miracles every day. Can, 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 I, can I tell you this without hurting your feelings? That, that your normal is actually somebody else's miracle? Have you ever thought of that? Like, like I, I was talking with a guy the other day, and uh, he's about my age, and we grew up together. And he was sitting with me at lunch, and he goes, bro, he goes, man, I'm so frustrated. And I was like, why are you so frustrated, man? He's like, bro, I just thought I'd be so much further along in my life than I am right now. Like, I'm, I'm almost 40, and, and I just thought, man, I just thought I would be further along. And I'm like, hold up. I knew you when you were 20. Let's talk about when you were 20. Like when you were 20, you, you were a broke college student. Like literally you were so broke, you were stealing ramen noodles. Like, you, <laughs> like that's broke. <laughs> like you couldn't even afford ramen noodles. Like you were that broke. Like everywhere you went, we, we, I didn't even, I don't know that you ever had a wallet in your 20s. Because every time we went out to eat, you were always like, I don't, I forgot my wallet, bro. I for, <laughs> forgot my wallet. I was like, this dude doesn't even have a wallet. What's he talking about? If he had one, he wouldn't have anything to put in it except his expired driver's license. Because he, he drove one with an expired license for like five years. <laughs> I'm like, I knew you when you were 20. Bro, bro, you've been married now for 10 years. You got three kids and they're all in church and you found a woman that would that would have sex with you at least three times in your life. Bro, I remember the trash you were sleeping with in college. This is an upgrade. This is an iPhone versus a Samsung. This is an upgrade, bro. Somebody help me out in this place. You. <laughs> You better sit down. <laughs> I see you back there with your green text messages. <laughs> I said, I said, bro, you are living in a season you begged God for. And now you're acting like you haven't gone anywhere. I know who you used to be. 
You're not who you are called to be, but you are definitely not who you used to be. I wonder if there's anybody in this room tonight who could say, I thank God that I am maybe not where I should be, but I am definitely not where I used to be. Does anybody want to give God praise for what he's done in your life, how far he has brought you? Oh, he's so good. Oh, he is so good. You ought to give him praise right now. I'm going to give you five more seconds to just give him praise. I said, said, bro, you are living the dream. This is the dream. Sam sucks. Hashtag quit. (laughs) I said, man, you know what? You know what's happened? is the thing you begged God for has now become your normal. And the thing you used to, you used to plead with God to give you, you have, and now you forgot that he gave it to you. A lack of gratitude is just pure amnesia about who got you where you are. That's all that you just forgot. You forgot where you were. You forgot where you came from and you forgot who brought you there. I said, you are living your dream. We walk past miracles every day. Man, if you walked up in this service on your own two feet, you're normal as somebody else's miracle. You hear that? If you woke up this morning and you didn't have to pop a pill to keep your mind right, you're normal. Is somebody else's miracle. My brother, who is diagnosed with so many different things, and he's three years now sober. He had a five-year addiction to prescription uh, pills, and he is three years on the other side of that. Three years on the other side of that. You know what he did? We were just, just this summer. We were July 4th. We were at my uncle's house. And man, we were having a time. We had so many fireworks. And some of my relatives, they were lit, bro. I mean, like not in the spirit. Like it was, it was East Tennessee, bro. We was, we was having fun. And uh, my brother looks at me, tears in his eyes. And he said, Rob, he goes, this is the, this is the first July 4th. The previous two, he had been out of town or doing something else. He said, this is the first July 4th that I've been with our family, and I've been sober. Tears in his eyes. He said, I'm just so thankful that I get to be here with you, my brother, and have this time. I'm acting like this is just any other day. My normal was his miracle. He just wanted to shoot some fireworks and hang out with his brother. We walk past miracles every single day. Sometimes you step over your deliverance. You, 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 you walk past the, the <laughs> you walk past the thing that will deliver you. How many people, if they were getting ready to fight a thousand men, would be like Samson and looking around like, man, forgot my forgot my sword today. Don't have my axe on me. 
this jawbone will work. Like who is literally thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crush some people with a jawbone. Like I've never seen a movie where it's like, yo, what kind of weapon you want? And somebody's like, give me that jawbone, dog. <laughs> like nobody has ever been like thought in their mind conceived that the jawbone of a donkey could help you kill a thousand people. But Samson said the thing that everybody else walks past and considers normal, it's going to be the method of my deliverance. I'm telling you, there are some things in your life that you look at it and you think they're normal and they're actually the method of your deliverance. Some of you are like, man, I don't, I don't have a whole lot. Man, I don't have a whole lot to offer God. I, gotta, I, got, I can sing a little bit. I, I, wonder, I wonder if David realized the power of his music when he was playing it by himself. I'm sure if he under, I'm sure, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he did not understand that that thing he probably learned and mastered all by himself. I, I'm sure he didn't understand that that thing that he did to just pass the time. I'm, I'm sure he didn't understand that that thing would actually break the back of depression off of the life of Saul when he would play that instrument. I, I, I'm just telling you what you consider normal is actually going to be the method of your deliverance. It's actually going to be the thing that brings you into the next level of your life. I'm telling you, don't consider your giftings a small thing. God doesn't waste his time. The Bible says that he is intricately connected to the, to the formation of your life, that he is putting you together piece by piece in the womb of your mother. And the gifts that you have, they're not for you to just waste. They're not for you to just look at and say, that's no big deal. They are actually the method of your deliverance the reason your mind works the way your mind works it's the method of your deliverance the way you think the way you think it's the method of your deliverance the way you draw the way you draw it's the method of your deliverance the way you play the way you play it's the method of your deliverance it's not a small thing you will look at it as a little boy's lunch and God said it'll feed thousands I'm just telling you what you've been walking over and saying doesn't matter is actually the thing that God is going to. It's nothing except a jar of oil. When God gets a hold of a jar of oil, it becomes less of a thing that you use to make something and it becomes the means of your deliverance. I just came to announce to you tonight that what you need is in your house. It's within your reach. It's within your reach. I'll never forget this. I'll tell this one story and then we'll move to the end. I was at church one time and I watched this guy after the service. He was making a beeline for me. And I watched him as he ran up and he was trying to get to me and he was talking to a, a guy in our church and this guy was trying to help him but he was like no I need to get to him no I need to talk to him and the guy was like well why don't you tell me what's going on in your life well he gets to me and he's like he's like God just spoke to me about this business plan and I was like that's great man <laughs> I don't have a business mind but wonderful that's awesome thanks for the thanks for the concept and I'll never forget when I got home I started to realize oh my gosh this guy missed it he was trying to get to me and he walked by an altar worker in our church that was an investor and he had just given a million dollars to somebody in our region to start a business. He was trying to get to me and he was walking by his deliverance. 
He was walking by his provision. I'm telling you, don't overlook people just because you think you don't need them. You could be walking by your miracle. You could be walking past the method of your deliverance. <laughs> Watch this. God wants to change how you see your life. He wants to change how you see what you have left. You can't see it, and I can't see it very often because I'm distracted by what I lost. She's listing, watch, she's, she's listing everything. My husband is gone. We don't have any money, and I'm getting ready to lose my sons because the money is dried up. She's listing her losses, and it takes a prophet to reveal to her what she has left. It's why relationships are so important. You can't play around and give everybody your ear because whoever control your ear, controls your ear is shaping your life. You have to understand that. Whoever gets your ear is shaping your life. He came in, a prophet had to come in to make her measure what she had left. She was listing everything she had lost and she needed to measure what she had left. And the only way she would see it is the right relationship. You don't need to surround yourself with a bunch of people who are going through the same thing you're going through all the time. Is then it just, it just becomes a pity party. You, you need people to point out what you have left. You don't need to just get around and be like, I lost this. You lost something. Me too. I lost it. And then we get around and it's just like a big loss session. You need a prophet in your group that will look at you and say, hey, I know you've lost some stuff, but let's take inventory of what you have left. There's got to be something in this house that we can use to get out of this situation. He revealed the significance of something she thought didn't matter. Because when you get saved, your potential changes. And when you get saved, the stuff connected to you, its potential changes. I, I, I watch all these cooking shows, right? Have you ever seen these weird ingredients that they get like on Chopped? They get this basket and, and they get like a weird vegetable or a weird leaf and then they turn it into an incredible meal because they see the value I'm looking at it like, ooh, that is ugly. Ooh, that is gross. How are they going to make that? And then they're eating it and they're like, this tastes good. And the, the highlight of the dish was, was, was that green thing that they stuck in there. And I'm like, that green thing was the ugliest part of that dish. It looked like the most insignificant part of that dish. That steak was the masterpiece. But they turned that green thing into something special, into some sort of paste or some sort of dip or some sort of something on the side. And they're going on and on and on about this thing I thought was insignificant, but it was actually the star of the show. I didn't know that because I'm not a chef. God is a chef. And he looks at, he looks at ingredients that, that you think are insignificant. He looks at the parts of your life that you'd like to forget and said, don't forget them. They actually make you who you are. Don't run from who you used to be. Use it as a way to bring breakthrough into your current situation. Don't hide your past. Don't, don't be ashamed of your past because it is the thing that brought you to this place today. Go ahead and go ahead and reveal it and let God get the glory out of your life. Don't, I mean, of course we should in some way be ashamed or, dis, dis, uh, or, or upset with ourselves for, for some of our mistakes. 
But don't let that hang over your head as this thing that's keeping you from everything that God wants to do in your life. Your past is not holding your, you back. Your past is actually the thing very often that propels you into the thing that God has for your life. You wouldn't be who you are today if it wasn't for what you've gone through. You are not here today because your life was easy. You are here today because your life was difficult. You are here today because you struggled to get here today. You are here today because you fought to be here today. Your, your life is not the result of the ease that you've gone through it's the result of the pain that you've gone through it's the ingredients that you didn't think mattered about your life that God says that's that's a special one I'm going to take that 10-year period where you thought you were you you were lost and insignificant and you were in depression and doubting and and fearful I'm going to take that period of your life and I'm going to turn I'm going to take that those ashes and I'm going to turn them into something beautiful that pleases the heart of the father makes God proud and changes the world She had to see what she had left. Hmm. Lastly, I'll end here. Is this okay? This is a story about capacity. This is a story about increasing your capacity. The prophet said, I need you to go to all your neighbors and I need you to get every jar you can find. Because when the jars ran out, the oil stopped and if you can't preach that you don't know how to preach like if you cannot preach that when the jars ran out the oil stopped you don't know how to preach but I don't think that's the most significant part of this story I think the most significant part of the story is the fact that she began to pour in the first place watch this because the oil doesn't begin to flow unless she starts to pour. <sighs> Heaven can't replenish what you won't release. If you, if you won't let go of it, the supernatural can't take control of it. I am, I'm a tweet machine right now. I'm just telling you. <laughs> You have to understand that the, the oil doesn't even start until you start to pull it out, pour it out. I want to tell you something right now. If you feel there was a point where she had poured out everything that was in her jar and heaven filled that jar. It went from natural oil to supernatural oil from heaven. And it ended when she ended heaven began some of you are not tapping into heaven's supply because you won't pour out what you have you're still holding on to it and God's saying I want to release the oil but you won't pour it out I, I want to give you strength that comes from heaven but you won't serve I want to give you supply that comes from heaven but you won't give I, I, I want you to experience the supernatural but you won't pour out what you have. That's why it's so important that we understand that where we are weak, he is made strong. That He shows up when we get to the end of ourselves. 
When we get to the end of us and we say, I can't go any further. See, this is good news for you and me. Because if you're in this room tonight and you say, Robbie, go ahead and stand on your feet if you would. And you say, Rob, I can't go any further. I can't do this anymore. I can't take anything else. I can't deal with another loss. I'm telling you, you are in a good place. Because when you get to the end of who you are and you get to the end of your supply, that's when the supply of heaven begins to show up. I don't know if anybody is grateful for heaven's supply, but let's give God some praise right now for the supply of heaven. Hey! Heaven's supply. Woo! Do you see that? Do you see that? I mean, yeah, it's about the jars. But we never get to the jars unless she begins to pour it out. I'm telling you, you feel like I don't have anything left to offer. You're in a good place. Heaven's supply is getting ready to show up. I'm telling you, you feel like I can't serve anymore. They're talking about adding locations and another servant. Well, like what are we talking about right now? I can't do anymore. No, when you get to the end of you, heaven shows up. When you get to the end of what you can do, heaven shows up. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. After your tears and after all your crying and after all you've been through, joy comes in the morning. I'm telling you on the other side of your tears, on the other side of you emptying out your oil, joy is coming into your life. Can you give it praise right now? 